1: from our virtual studios in the Netherlands and Camarillo, California. It's time once again for your favorite marketing show called Marketing Geeks.
0: The greatest two hosts that exist on planet Earth and beyond... We have the one, the only, Justin Womack and Andros T. Sturgeon coming at you with the latest and greatest marketing news.
1: And we have quite a show lined up for you, ladies and gentlemen. The latest marketing news, of course, the Sex Robot Report. It's a good one.
0: And is Ghostbusters 3 really happening?
1: We answer all of these questions and more. Plus, the main meat of our program today will blow your mind. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages around the world, it is time once again for your favorite marketing show. That's right, it is The Marketing Geeks.
0: Flew in from Oregon last night, got home at 2 a.m.
1: And, and you, you went through uh, LAX
0: during the government shutdown, right? I did. I went through LAX during the government shutdown, and surprisingly, it went pretty much business as usual. I was surprised. I was expecting a long delay. We got there about three hours early. It was me, my wife, and my eight-month-old baby, who's eight month, he's eight months old as of yesterday, um, and yeah, it, it, it was smooth. The only problem was that I, uh, you know, I flew Allegiant and they delayed every single flight multiple times. So, but we got there, we were happy. It was a smooth flight. Once the flight got off the ground, it was just uh, delayed on both sides of the, both sides of the ball.
1: So did you have to like go through the thing and put, you know, do the Jesus on the cross thing while they checked you for, you know, the steel plate in your head and all that stuff?
0: I did. I did have to do that. LAX was like, LAX was fully business as usual. Um, when I was in Eugene, cause we flew to Eugene, direct flight to Eugene and back. When I was in Eugene, I got away with a few things. Like I got to leave my hat on. That was awesome. Oh. I got to leave My hat on and, uh, cool. I had my belt on and they, uh, they didn't say anything. Ooh. Can you that? So wow. I don't know. So
1: I you hate know, to give, uh, yeah. I
0: hate to give this stuff away, but this is what was happening. <laughs>
1: Man, it's uh, well. I'm, I'm glad that you uh, you got through worry-free. I mean, I've I've traveled through uh, airport security with a baby, and yeah, if, if I were to go to hell, and uh, you know, the entryway to hell would just basically be like an airport security with a baby. Yeah, that would be it. Well, I was
0: with my wife too. That helps. Um, that makes it it makes it easier to have uh, two parents there, and yeah. <laughs> that made it a little smoother. Uh, what I was going to say though is you know, with the shutdown, the air traffic controllers are also not being paid. So that was a big, in my mind, that was like a pretty big concern that the air traffic controllers aren't being paid. Yeah, Um, but again, there were no hiccups. Everything went well. Flight was good. It was just like, you know, I was building that stuff up in my mind and I feel bad for them. They're not getting paid. I'm glad you're back safe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of, kind of a, a, a wild, wild situation, but, uh, uh, I'm glad you're safe and uh, back, back ready uh, to do another Marketing Geeks show. Uh, so we've got a we've got a great show. We uh, are going to do. You want to you want to let us know. What we doing? are going to do. Are you ready for it? I'm so ready.
0: Drum roll, please. Okay, here we go. Here we go. There we go. Okay. Customer avatar. We are going to talk about the customer avatar, but what we we're going to take this pretty deep here. So what we're really talking about is identifying your market segment. So depending on what service or product that you are selling, there's always a specific market segment that you want to get your message out to. And we are going to talk about how you can identify who that market segment is and then figure out where they are hanging out. We may be splitting this up into two episodes, depending on how deep we get going here. Um, But we'll definitely get into some very interesting topics today and it's exciting stuff. I mean I, I love this stuff. Um since I was on that plane that was delayed for uh especially on the way home, we were delayed like three hours. I got to listen to a lot of marketing audiobooks. So my uh so my marketing repertoire is uh, is top notch right now. Been tweaking my game.
1: Sharpening those swords. Sharpening those swords. Yeah. So uh, uh, I want to give a big, big shout out. You got a, a really oh, huge, huge shout out. Huge shout out! We got a message on uh, LinkedIn, and <laughs> I had to share it with you. I, I, did you get the same message? Or? You got. I, I couldn't believe it. I could. I, I well, I haven't checked my LinkedIn today, but because uh, it's morning here. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this shout out is insane.
0: Yeah. So uh, Brian McLeod. He uh, messaged me on LinkedIn today, and he said that he wanted to introduce himself. He's a he's a marketing professor. Uh, I'm not going to name the school right now, um, but he he was listening to to the podcast, and he was traveling on a on a road trip, and he listened for 11 hours straight. That's and that's the kind of fan. That's the kind of fans that we're looking for.
1: So uh, you know, uh, that you know. is amazing. I, I I don't I don't want to do something that feels good for 11 hours and. This guy, I mean, that is commitment. I mean, listening, that is commitment because I, yeah, I wouldn't want to listen to my own voice for 11 hours, but man, thank you for that. That is, yeah. that is quite, that is really cool. Though. Of all the things you could listen to, he could listen to like War and Peace probably on that journey. <laughs> In 11 hours. Ah, so. You could listen to a lot of yeah.
0: long, like epic books. <laughs> yeah.
1: You could, but he chose to listen to us. So thank you, sir. That's uh, quite amazing. And he is wiser because of it, because our show is just loaded with
0: amazing content.
1: And speaking of amazing content, uh, we have marketing news for everybody. I've got got a couple of really interesting stories. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, so if you're a marketer, uh when are people most receptive to mobile ads? Mm, during the Super Bowl. I don't know. That doesn't even make
0: sense, but <laughs> uh
1: well according to a uh, a new survey from uh AKI or AK Technologies, uh it found that customers are receptive most to mobile ads while watching TV before bed. So uh, uh, they also found a generational shift in how consumers pay attention to ads. So this is from uh, Marketing Land. Consumers are more receptive to mobile ads in front of a TV and the moments before they fall asleep, according to a survey from mobile ad platform AK Technologies. The company uh, contacted audience uh, marketplace Lucid uh, to conduct an online survey of 1,000 U.S. adults In November of 2018. And uh, what they found is that uh, the highest receptivity moments 59% are receptive while watching uh, TV at home, and 51% are receptive while in bed before sleep. So, uh, and this is mostly with uh, Gen Z. So, uh, the Gen Z. How do they track that? Like, how do you track when
0: somebody's on their phone? Like, how do you know they're watching TV? While they're clicking an ad. Well, apparently
1: they 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 actually did a like a like a an online survey. Okay. So this is people who are. I,
0: I was hoping that they were just like you know using I don't know one of those devices that just kind of look in on the home and watch. You know, they're, they're just kind of watching through your yeah. Uh, like they have that new Facebook device. What's the thing called? The the Facebook camera that they've been advertising. They have that thing like just filming you. You're they're like. Oh, look, he's watching TV and he's clicking. He's looking on his mobile phone and look, I can see exactly what he's got on the mobile phone screen and he clicked this ad right now.
1: Yeah, just looking, looking outside your window, just looking outside your window, like peeping in, watching your son, you know, <laughs> just good times. Uh, anyway, so it's it's kind of interesting because you know, with with uh, a lot of ad sets, uh, Facebook marketing, uh, Google AdWords, you can determine when ads are shown. So uh, if you are looking to advertise to certain market segment, let's say that. For instance you have a customer avatar which we're going to talk about in a little bit and your customer avatar is uh, someone who watches uh regular tv and then gets on their phone before bed that would be a time to serve them specific ad
0: sets. But so. to, the, to that point, Andres, you have to be aware of where your customers are located because you have to consider time zones too. Right. So right. if I'm running, if I if I go into Facebook and I say I want to run my ad, you know, at nighttime, so I'm saying like six p.m. to midnight or something like that. Well, uh, on the East Coast, I mean. It's, that goes to nine and that's still my work but 9 yeah. p.m to 3 a.m right so you just got to be aware that um, time zones change so you might want to you have to figure out if you have an audience you know on the east Coast west coast if you have an audience overseas you know I deal with some clients in Australia and that's a that's a pain because they're they're like tw- 15 hours ahead i don't even know they there but it's ridiculous yeah. it's, it's, it's a big conversion case in point um, i'm
1: drinking my morning coffee and you're gonna to go to bed after this so
0: exactly because it's right now while i record this it is 12 43 a.m and while yeah. you record it it's
1: what nine forty-three in the morning Nine forty-three on a snowy day here in uh the Netherlands. I'm looking at a big field of snow.
0: That's right. But I am so committed to this podcast that I record at past midnight and, and, and I'm only, I never am up this late ever. I know. Never I know. It's true. So thank you. Right? For that. Never, never, ever happens. Never. Except for, you know,
1: cage. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> except for every night. Right. Uh, in other news, this is from Ad Week Facebook is extending its test of a petition feature for locals' issues in the news feed. So this is going to be called the Community Action, and it enables elected officials and government agencies to take part. So Facebook has been testing a Community Action feature that enables people to share petitions about local issues on the newsfeed in selected U.S. markets over the past several weeks, and that test group is growing larger this week. So uh, people in this test group can create a Community Action containing information including The specific change that is needed, such as adding a dedicated bike lane to downtown streets, uh, why it would take benefit – why it would benefit affected community and which government officials and or agencies should be responsible for making the changes. So, uh, yeah, I I think that uh, it's a great idea for Facebook to get involved in local politics. It's been going so well with how they've been influencing our national politics.
0: They nailed it on the national side, so they, they, why not why not take it down to the micro level? Yeah, this this won't this won't get you know. Let's uh, why not why not why stop there? Let's get yeah. let's get into school elections. Yeah. You know, let's get into let's get into PTA things. This, why stop there? This this
1: won't be abused at all, and you know, pretty soon we're going to have like uh, you know, a town's going to pop up and have Vladimir Putin Road. No one's going to know why, but you know, everyone everyone wants it you know so uh anyway be able to look out for that and uh you know interesting thing about facebook uh you know my, I, I just had a birthday and uh i am now closer to uh 50 than anything else and uh if i were a dog i'd be dead so, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> me that, too man if it makes uh, you feel any better me too me too even though i'm only like 35
0: so, i would be dead as a dog
1: <laughs> I know, but I'd be more dead than you. That's so true. I'd be like, true. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm almost three dogs dead uh, <laughs> right now. But so, uh, I, that, I mean, you get to this age, that's how you just, I should start like, how old are you? I'm uh, three dead dogs, you know? Mm. Uh, so, um, uh, but, uh, what's interesting is, you know, how every year people wish you happy birthday on Facebook. And I've noticed that this year, less people wish me happy birthday on Facebook than ever. Uh so uh, I think that it, the user base is definitely shrinking. Well maybe, but also you you did like a whole post about how you
0: were leaving for a while and so maybe people thought you were gone. Yeah, I guess you're right about that. Could have it could, it could have it could have played into it. It's it's not a it's not a pure it's not a pure scientific experiment. There are a few possible confounding variables here. Or maybe people just don't <laughs> like me.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true. Curious.
0: Yeah, they might people may, people may like you less after because you're on the, on the radio now, and they're just you know you're such a big deal now. You're just
1: you you become that's, a big shot. So. That's true. They're all <laughs> jealous. Um, <laughs> this story is from Entrepreneur Magazine. Uh, Bird Box. Did you see Bird Box?
0: I still have not seen Bird Box. We really? watched like the opening scene, and I need to I need to finish it. I and mean, I, I I get the concept. I saw a quiet place, and I get the concept that it's basically a quiet place for vision. But yeah. I've not seen it
1: uh well uh bird box which w- is a very mediocre film uh was uh w- got a huge boost because of me- a meme marketing strategy where uh did you hear about the bird box challenge people were doing the
0: <laughs> bird box challenge I heard about the Bird Box Challenge because somebody drove blindfolded. Is that what you're going to talk about?
1: Yeah, well, uh, that that's definitely uh, something that happened. But I, I don't think that that was um, – well,
0: Describe the Bird Box Challenge first. Why don't you describe it for our listeners because not everybody knows. Okay, so Bird
1: Box let – me, let me rewind a little bit. This is uh, for, for you geeks out there. Bird Box is a movie with Sandra Bullock on Netflix – and it's a movie about uh, – it's kind of like A Quiet Place, if you haven't seen that, uh, where the, these creatures are attracted to sound. Uh, in uh, Bird Box, creatures are attracted to uh, sight. So if you see it, then it, it uh, some HP Lovecraft kind of demon will show up and start uh, – will invade your brain and make you kill yourself. So um, – Uh, so, uh, in order to survive, if you go outside, you have to put on blindfolds. And, uh, so, uh, the, the, the bulk of the movie, I'm not spoiling anything because it starts off this way. It's Sandra Bullock and these two kids are, uh, going down this river completely blindfolded and they have to like hit some rapids and. Uh it's pretty intense. But anyway, people started doing the bird box challenge where they would put on the blindfold and start doing just like random stuff. And uh including driving a car, which was uh kind of ridiculous. But uh it, it crashing. <laughs> and yeah. But uh but uh because of the meme of marketing of uh the uh the bird box challenge and people doing it, uh the movie got a huge, huge boost. So uh you know the the uh, the whole thing really is about you know whether or not uh, this type of meme marketing can be effective And in a future show, we're gonna actually talk about how you can leverage meme marketing to uh, you know help your product or service. so uh, and we will go in on that show. we're gonna go into the
0: broader topic, I think of viral marketing as well, yeah. so but meme meme marketing being one of the subcomponents there. but going back to bird box, it, I mean it reminds me of like, the Tide Pod Challenge, when all those kids were putting Tide Pods in—were they eating them, or are they just putting them in their mouth? What, what was the? I don't no, I remember the challenge. They're eating them. They were like like biting into them, and
1: you know, uh, and uh, you know, but, but they the look so that, delicious.
0: I mean, they make them with the little colory swirls. I mean, they look like ice cream, right?
1: They do look like ice cream, and and uh, you know, I mean, you got to keep them away from your kids. It's, but I'm sure it like boosted. I'm sure that you know Tide Pods went up in uh, in sales. And, it probably you know, did but but you know what if it it, uh, it just it just goes to show you one thing you know you know the last thing that uh, that
0: that uh, Mike judge was right when he made idiocracy the
1: movie well <laughs> well there there is that but uh, you you know the last thing that and, and I apologize in advance for any of our redneck listeners but uh, you'll probably love this joke anyway you know the last thing a redneck ever says before he dies I don't here, hold my beer. Hey, everybody, watch this! Last <laughs> thing a redneck ever says. And then something crazy happens, and then and he so, does some crazy stunts. Well, yeah, just that's <laughs> it. It's on YouTube, and that's the thing. So, uh, finally, last little bit of news. Uh, I've got a couple of digital marketing stats uh, oh for God. you. Yeah, yeah, I knew you were waiting for this. Uh, number one: majority of Americans unaware. Of their Facebook ad preferences. Did you know that you have Facebook ad preferences? <laughs> and uh, I do. And I,
0: I, I we were having a conversation about this. And that's right. And who are you according to Facebook? According to Facebook, um, I am a Hispanic male, which which I found interesting. I, don't, I have no idea how. That would have been captured. Uh, I don't. I don't even know what would have triggered that. But I, th- I found that interesting. I mean, obviously, I'm about as white. I'm, I'm about as white as they come. So you're pretty white, dude. I. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm pretty white. You know, I, my, I have a Norwegian and Welsh descendants, and I'm very white. Yeah, I got that. <laughs>
1: I know that's Um, that's kind of
0: funny. It's just random. So, yeah, it'll tell you your political ideology that they think you have. It'll tell you um, a lot of that stuff. They have a file on you. Kind of like J. Edgar Hoover had files on everybody. So they have this That's is, right. the public file is the one that they will show you. And then they got the blackmail file, which they don't want to show you
1: yet. Which is kind of funny because, you know, it, it used to be that people were all concerned about, you know, oh, the FBI has a file on me. I don't want that. Now people just willingly give their information uh, to these different you know, uh, companies. Here's conglomerates. Um, like, I mean, I mean, yeah.
0: Facebook, as, Amazon, Google, Control. They have massive control. It's crazy. They,
1: they know more about you than your therapist, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but this survey revealed that 74% of Facebook users did not know that they had a list of traits uh, and interests that went into their ad preferences until they were shown. And furthermore, like you, Twenty-seven uh, percent say they are not very or not at all accurate in describing them. So, uh, and fifty-nine percent say that these categories do, in fact, reflect their real-life interests. But there is there is a good third that uh, you know, they white, a white guy like you uh, <laughs> is uh, miscategorized.
0: So yeah. So just to kind of go over think. this, like if you if you see an, if you're on the desktop, especially, I think it, it makes it a little bit clearer. But if you see an ad on Facebook, you're going to see a sponsored post like in your feed. And I think this will work on, on mobile, too. But you'll see like a little ellipsis in the top right corner. And an ellipsis is those three dots. If you're not familiar with that term, if you click on them, um, what you'll see is you'll, you'll have a post that says, why am I am I seeing this? And it'll actually tell you why that ad was targeted to you. It'll give you some of that information. It won't give you all the information. It'll give you some of that information, but it'll 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 pull up. It'll tell you why that ad was targeted to you, what uh, demographics you reached, why it went to you. And then when you do that too, you'll find a little kind of gear icon that says manage your ad preferences. And if you click on that, that's where you're going to start to see like, okay, this is going to show me um, um This will show me your information, uh, things like that. So, um, and then like add settings as well. So you can you can go in here and you can learn like ha- a little bit about how Facebook is tracking you and you can get that information. So that's, that's how you would do it if you want to learn this stuff for yourself.
1: So that brings us to a very, very interesting uh, point, which is the main point of our show actually. And uh, that is how do you determine uh, use those particular methodologies within Facebook uh, to target your specific demographic. And that comes into a subject that we'd like to present now, which is this idea of the customer avatar. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what a customer avatar is?
0: I think that the best way to describe a customer avatar is it's a personification of of your target market segment um, and you're personifying it as if it were an individual living, breathing person. So with a a customer avatar, the the exercise that you would do to do this would be to come up with a single person that represents like a composite of the qualities and characteristics of your target market client, Uh, including things like how old are they? Uh, What gender would they be? Or you could do this for both genders too. Or I guess I shouldn't say both genders. I should say uh, in marketing we usually do too. But um, but yeah, I mean things are changing.
1: Hey man, uh, it's twenty first century.
0: It's the twenty first century. Things are changing, so I gotta I gotta get up my vocabulary. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you're doing you're doing it this way, and you're coming up with um, again you're, you're personifying that target market into a single person. But you want to you want to give this person a name even like. And you want to know, like, what's their um, what's their occupation? What's their job title? What's their annual income? Their level of education? Like going through and really, really specific, because the more specific you get, then you can nail down things like. What do they read? Where do they hang out? Right. What, um, what do they watch on television or what do they, where do they visit online? And I know you're going to cover a lot of this, but that's that's the idea. We're, we're really looking to find out. Ultimately, we want to know where they hang
1: out. Yeah. And it's, so it's, we're,
0: we're doing this entire worksheet to determine where they hang out, where we can find them, what the best media avenue is to get in front of them.
1: But it's also a bit broader than that, too, because what, what you want to, you know, in my mind, what the customer avatar really does is when you personify... Who your customer avatar is. I got a friend of mine who is working uh, at a magazine and they built this customer avatar named Tessa Harrison. And Tessa Harrison, they had they had her whole backstory, they had you know, where she worked, she had two kids, you know, this is the places that she went to. She did yoga, she shopped online, these kinds of places. And they really, they, they knew her. They knew her well enough that if she walked in the room, they'd be like, that's Tessa, right? They they had a whole you know sketch of who this person was as if she was a real live person and whenever they did a marketing campaign they would they would always ask would Tessa like this and they would be like oh Tessa would love this purse Tessa would you know listen to this music. And so when they did their their marketing campaign, they didn't do this broad marketing campaign. They would would market to Tessa Harrison. They would talk directly to Tessa Harrison. So one of the biggest uh, no-nos I see with most companies, and this is – I swear I can't believe that that I see this over and over again, but it is more common than you would know, is when I ask somebody, uh, a client, uh, and they hire me to uh, look into how to help them with their advertising – uh, I asked them, well, who is your product for? It's one of the first things I asked them. And they say, well, it's for everybody. And I just, I, I'm like, no, it is not for everybody. <laughs> like, you know, who is your market segment? Well, you know, we, 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 we want everyone to use this product. And, and if, I, if I can't stop them from that line of dialogue, uh, I have learned now that I just, I have to throw up my hands and I go, I'm not sure I can help you. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, we... I, I, I've dealt with that. Where I've, 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 I've had to deal with customers where I, I was like, listen, no, it's not the case. They're like, no, we really want to market this to everybody. And, and ultimately, you're going to throw away your time. Yeah. And
0: uh, we, we talked a little bit about that concept, I think, a week or two ago. Um, but the main thing I – I mean, and I'm just going to reiterate what I said then because I believe this is true that when people say that, when they say my product and service is for everybody, it's, it's out of a mindset of scarcity – uh, because they're afraid that they're going to miss somebody, they're afraid of missing out on that extra sale. Because if they if they narrow down their niche, that's cutting off. You know, your advertising is only focused on this one segment. They're they're missing that broader that broader segment. And so the the logic that they're running on is okay, but if I'm focused on that, I'm missing all these other people, and I don't want to miss anybody. Uh, the, again, the reality though, right. the reality is though, when you function like that, is that. You're going to miss everybody because uh, marketing really only works when you have a, you know, when your messaging matches to a a specific market segment. So when you you have like you have to have some sort of a messaging market match and you want to speak in terms of specificity um, because you want you want to take that down into like a niche level. Meaning you want to uh, in NLP, I was I was referenced neurolinguistic programming, they would call this chucking down. But you want to get you want to get down to, OK, we're, we're actually speaking to this customer avatar now. We've identified them uh, as you were talking about, Andros. And uh, now when I'm writing my landing page copy or I'm writing my email copy or I'm showing them a Facebook ad, I want to speak directly to them. And I want to address their concerns, their pain points, their challenges uh, and be very specific to them. Uh, rather than trying to speak to this broad concept and generalizations because generalizations in marketing, everybody does that. right? And um, there's a term in marketing called like blue ocean and red ocean. And blue ocean is like, this is, this actually is more about like uh, different types of niches, but blue ocean is the places where other people aren't going. You're getting into a niche that other people are not in the blue ocean. It's wide open. And the red ocean is where all the All the marketers are hanging out and it's red because it's like just all these sharks and they're all feasting. They're trying to fight over each other. And so you don't want to get into that red market where you're marketing to everyone because that's what everybody does. And you have to differentiate yourself. You need to be different than uh, the competitors.
1: That's right. That's right. And and it also goes to show you that you have to really niche down. You have to niche down to very, very specifics. Again, you got to get your Tessa Harrison, right? So, so uh, a couple of, uh, th- this this breaks down into two different sections with this concept. So the first one is how do you find your Tessa Harrison? How do you find like, like who you're going to market to? Like what is your market segment? And number one, and number two, what are the types of information uh, that you want to gather in your customer avatar so you know who this person is? So we're gonna break this down into two different sections so the first section is uh, how do you find what your market segment is and who, who these people are. Um, uh, another uh, example of a uh, of a, a client that I had, and this was someone I had to throw my hands up with. It was a really great job too. It, would, it was a huge company, and uh, it would have looked good on my portfolio. And but uh, once they said this, I, I I just had to shake my head. And I'm like, I can't I can't help you guys. And that was. Um, a company that uh, when I asked them who your market segment is, they gave me that, well, it's for everybody, we want everyone to buy this product. And I said, well, that's not true. In fact, the first thing that we need to do is market research. We need to find out from your existing customers who is using your product and what the customer journey was, how they ended up with the product in their hand. And without doing that, we don't know who your product is for, because, uh, and, and his answer to me, the guy who owned the company, was, well, whenever I go to a hotel, they always want me to do a market research survey, and I never do them. And I'm like, but that's you, dude! Like, you know, and, and, and a case in point was that um, uh, my, uh, my girlfriend is, uh, uses, used this product, And when she opened up the packaging, the writing was very, very small and her eyes aren't very good. And uh, so she wasn't able to read the directions in that. So just by getting that little bit of customer feedback uh, and market research from her, from their clientele, they would have known that, which would have made the customer experience a lot better. So one of the first things that you need to do is you need to start doing market research to your existing client base. So, uh, how do you do that? So, uh, yeah. there's
0: some assuming, you assuming you have one, assuming you have one, cause not everybody, some people are going to be getting into new business here, I imagine. But yeah, I always say that if you're going to create a customer avatar, you want to start with your existing clients. Let's look at your existing clients and let's find, let's find the ones that have been most profitable for your business. Uh, where do you have the most leverage? And, um, when I, when I say leverage, it's like, who makes you the most money for the least amount of effort? Because to me, that's right. that's leverage when you're when you're able to make money with uh, without putting out without putting out a ton of effort, uh, without things that are going to take out a ton of time. And one, one example of leverage is to have like group have a uh, group consulting sessions versus one on one. The leverage being that you're you're spending one hour of your time with thirty people versus one hour of your time with one person. Um, so you have to, you have to think of things in that way. So where do I have leverage in my business? Uh, where do I make, uh, and also where do I make the most profit margin? And let's, uh, let's identify the characteristics of the clients that have already bought this from me. So let's reverse engineer a little bit. Let's, let's take this and let's see if there's a pattern. If we can identify a pattern, let's reverse engineer this into a composite character or an avatar. Um, so that's, that's where I would start, but also again, um, when you're when you're getting started, I think it's a good it's a good starting point always to uh, to look for the most profitable segment because there's going to be right. more than one segment in your business. I mean, the reality is you're going to serve different audiences. There will be more than one avatar, so um, there are different you can have more than one avatar, but let's start with the one that's going to make you the most money because that just makes the most sense.
1: Right. And, I, and on average, you probably will have about four different avatars, right? And so the messaging around each of those will be a little bit different. But but first of all, so, so you're talking about like doing the focus group, number one, like getting a group of people together and asking a bunch of questions like, what do you like about this product? What do you don't like about this product? What are the things that, uh, are helpful to you, but how, you know, how would you get those people together? Well, if you can get, if you have an existing client base, that's one thing. Uh, one of the tools that you could use is like SurveyMonkey. Uh, use, you know, SurveyMonkey or even uh, Google Forms. Google Forms is actually very powerful. You put together a uh, market research questionnaire, you can find questions online to put together kind of a sample questionnaire. Um, and when you send people uh, that questionnaire, if they are able to fill that out you give them, Something at the end of it, but uh, Google Forms specifically is great because it gives you a whole bunch of data and can pie charts and uh, pie chart things out and uh, give you graphs on what is you know what the answers are. SurveyMonkey does uh, basically the same thing, so you can you know even if you have twenty or thirty people answering uh, a bunch of questions, that data can be very very successful. But what do you do yeah, if and, you? And-
0: Well, let me just say this real quick, Andros, because I just had a client that I introduced Google Forms to recently, and he was Uh like blown away and never heard of it. So uh, I just wanted to to mention that Google Forms is an amazing, amazing platform to capture um, market research from your existing clients in in survey format, because you can create these survey forms and ask any questions that you want. You can customize the forms. They're not the prettiest Um, prettiest forms out there, but it's free. That's what I was going to say. It's free. And it uh, and they, they track data for you. Uh, it works really well, and so it's it's very cool. And you'll find it in in Google Drive. So if you go into your Google Drive account and you look at all of the different options there, you will find Google Forms inside of Google Drive. If you don't know what Google
1: Drive is, uh, Google it. Yeah, Google. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can definitely do that. So uh, yeah. yeah, so it, it, you know, you so put together a market research form, send it to your existing customers through your email marketing uh, campaign. Give somebody like a, you know, if you fill this out, we'll give you $5 off your next order or whatever. But what if you don't have a client base? How do you then uh, find out that data? Well, one of the things that you could do is simply use uh, Facebook to run different types of ads. And so what you could do is you can uh, have kind of your four uh, different types of customer avatars, your personas that you think, well, I think it's these four different types of people, and then you can run four different ads and target specific ad groups. We did a, a, a webinar on Facebook marketing a few months ago where we showed you how to target specific ad, uh, you know, uh, different demographics. So pick four different demographics, things that they like, things that they uh, are interested in, age groups, income levels, education levels, and then target your ads. spend maybe $100 on each of those ad sets and see which ones get the biggest response. And that's one way to figure out, kind of get a, a rough overview of who the uh, client avatar may be uh, and, and what demographic they fit into. Now, once you get that data and you figure out exactly who your client avatars kind of are, like in a, in a broad perspective, the next thing you want to do is you want to start boiling down more detail-oriented uh, information about your client avatar, and so this is going to be the fun creative stuff where you basically create a character uh, for a story, right? Let so me you think before
0: that, we before we get before we get into that, I just wanted to add yeah. one thing. Um, when before you before you run the test ads, which I, I think that it, it is a great way to, I you're running those ads more for research than for conversion in the beginning to kind of figure out where uh, who's responding and how the messaging is landing. But before you even get into that, they do have something called audience insights on Facebook. So before you even run an ad, you can go into audience insights. It's a pretty cool tool. Um, and you can, you could break down the, you could break, you could create an audience, like a custom audience. um, and it'll compare it to the general population of Facebook and it'll give you some interesting data that you can use to create your targeting when you're doing these ads. Uh, including things like, let's look at the age range. Let's look at the gender. Let's look at a few of these interests. And when you, when you pump this into the audience insight section, what it'll do is it'll say people that match this, um, these descriptions that you said, these interests tend to have this type of relationship status. They tend to be either, it'll tell you if they're single in a relationship, engaged or married. It'll tell you the average education level that people like that have. And it'll also give you samples of People that match this description tend to have this job title, or they tend to like these uh, Facebook pages. So you can you can use some of that in your um, in your targeting as well. And and when you go to the avatar worksheet, that's gonna it's, I think that's gonna help you. That's gonna help you even narrow this down a little bit further. Um, so bef- before you run those test ads, I would do I would probably actually do the customer avatar worksheet ahead of it. And then start, um, and then go through the customer insights, and then maybe do some test marketing to see how people are responding. Um, and once you once you figure out kind of what's working, what's not working, that's when um, that's when it really you can amplify things. And, and we don't want to get too deep into that right now, but we want to we want to stay on track with the customer avatar stuff. So that, I
1: just wanted to add that in on us because yeah. that that tool that's a good point that you. But you know, as as noted above uh, at the top of the show, twenty seven percent of those people are wrong. So. Uh, That's true. (laughs) You know, so it's not not an exact science. That's right. Right. So if you if you do run some sample ads just to get some data, just know you're not you're not doing it to drive ads. You're doing it to just collect the data. And most of you know, anytime you run an ad campaign, your first four to six weeks of running any ad campaign are going to be uh, more for data purposes, less for running the ad itself, but uh, but but uh, when you when you finally kind of boil that down, uh, then you want to really flesh out who this person is, and so uh, you know you want to think about things like give them a name, like actually name them, give them an age. Are they married? Do they have children? Where do they live? Uh, what schools did they attend? Job title, profession, household income, hair color, eye color, weight. You know. Uh, if they're a B2B customer, throw in the industry, who do they sell to? What's the annual revenue? Number of employees for that business and where are they located? How many years in business have they had? What, what you know? So really come up with uh, an actual storyline for these people so you can know exactly. And I'm, I'm telling you, the more precise you are with this type of thing, the more you boil this down and really speak to this one person, the more uh, success you're going to have with, uh, with your ads. If you have uh, some other uh, things that you want to kind of figure out, you want to flesh out like details about, uh, you know, how, how long have they worked in their current job? Like what's their salary? So you know how much money they're making. Uh, how many jobs did they hold in their career? Their political views, religious views, uh, hobbies, interests. Uh, you know, what are their favorite brands? What do they like? What social media platforms do they use? Uh, do, where do they get their news from, right? Uh, do they, uh, do they use Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, do they have business goals, personal goals, family goals, uh, and then start listing their problems. What are the problems that they have in their daily life, right? What are the biggest issues that they're facing? Um, and, uh, what, uh, what are the things that could possibly happen if the problem is not solved? You know, so so you know, and you can go. You could get more and more uh, granular with this type of thing. Uh, So you can you can really start thinking about who this person is. So uh, once you start figuring out who this person is, you can start thinking about what their perfect solution looks like and how your product would be the the most perfect solution. How much they're willing to pay for it, based. On their income, their values, uh, where they've come from, and so so you know, and then and then I would even recommend creating a short story about this person. Like do some creative writing around this person, because again, the more you are uh, specific about these particular things, the more the more granular you are. So you know this person as well as you know any of your friends. Then you market to just that one person. So, for instance, if I have a product and I know that more females buy this product, I'm not I'm not going to have like one like a mother of two who is maybe a single mom and she's like working two jobs. Uh, she could be one avatar, but I could also have like some girl in her 20s who is just she's on Tinder. She's you know, she doesn't have a serious relationship. She has a job, but she's about to like get a better one. That's a different demographic, and the messaging is going to be completely different. And the customer avatar that I build around them, and how I market to each one of those people, is going to be specifically different. So you've got to really be uh, you've got to really be clear about this because once you have that, then you can create ad sets around each of those persons, and your ads will be far more successful. Absolutely. Got anything? Got anything down around that?
0: Well, a couple different things. Um, we need to kind of get into the heads of our target market. So we have that. We have we created a customer avatar. Let's kind of get into the heads of them. Uh, where you know where are they on their journey? First of all, what is the problem that we're solving is is very key. And again, we've talked about pain points. We've talked about having a problem. And um, in marketing, we're always looking at tying our product or service to a benefit. So rather than rather than describing features or the characteristics of our of, of what makes our service work or what makes our product special, let's really talk about outcomes. Let's talk about what outcome this is going to give people. So when we right. do that, we we start thinking in terms of outcomes. Okay, so we know that this person wants to experience um health they want to experience more health in their life let's say we have a weight loss product or something but they want to be healthier they want more energy so those are the outcomes we're speaking to so the next thing is kind of thinking about okay where are they right now so i I know that we're we're targeting a certain market segment now are these are these people that have a problem but they have no idea they have this problem are they people that have a problem and they know that they have a problem but they just don't know where the solution is do they are they people that have a problem? They know they have a problem, and they know the solution, but they just haven't taken action. Like I mean, these kind of things um, all matter in terms of where they are in their journey as well. So we want to get a feel yeah. for kind of where they are in their journey because depending on what stage they are, we might be speaking to them with different marketing copy too, or different uh, different messaging copy. So we we really want to kind of get into our, our clients' heads, and and I think I think that's a useful way of looking at it. A, a lot of times too, when you're, you know, you're reading messaging copy, there's something in, I mean, I always talk about copywriting a lot, but, um, something called three dimensionalizing, uh, a client's experience. And when you're, when you're speaking to a customer avatar segment, what I want to do is I want to identify their ideal outcome. And I want to three dimensionalize it. Meaning a, a lot of times in a sales conversation, you might hear a statement like this, that I want you. So hello, Mr. Clients or miss clients. Um, I want you to imagine a year in the future, you've used our product, you've achieved all of your goals, you're now at your ideal weight, you have more energy, you're feeling fantastic, you're running around with your grandkids or kids, and I want you to really kind of um, experience that for a minute. I want you to get inside of your, you know, really visualize it, get inside your body and tell me, tell me now that you've achieved this and you've hit your ideal ideal goals here now, what, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you hearing? Like what's happening around you? Um, and I want you to really get a picture about this and describe it to me. And when you, when you get somebody to get into that and describe, um, what they're hearing, feeling, seeing, that's where that three-dimensionalizing comes in. That mm-hmm. really sets a, a frame for, um, uh, for landing this message to that specific market segment. And I think that's – right. I might be going a little – bit. this might not tie directly to what we're talking about, but it, it's just it, – it does tie in. I just might be slightly off topic because I'm kind of moving into the copywriting messaging phase already. But, yeah, I, I like to think about all this stuff kind of as a – it all comes yeah, together and- too.
1: It, it does, because especially when you when you get insight into uh, into your uh, avatar, when you really get to know this person inside and out, then it makes your job way easier. So imagine, you know, again, just as a juxtaposition, you have, you know, the, the client avatar that you have developed and you know this person distinctly, you know exactly who they are, what they like, what they don't like. Uh, you could write copy and be like, oh, they wouldn't respond to that. I know they would respond to this. If I say this word, they're going to respond to that because you know this person as well as you know any of your friends versus, well, our product's kind of for everybody, right? What, what? Just thinking about those those two things side by side, uh, what are you going to be more successful with? And so, uh, you know, we, uh, we we there's lots of customer avatar worksheets, but... The main thing is is to really think about who your customer avatar is, and as always, if you have any questions around it, you can uh, you can always reach out to us on LinkedIn. Um, but uh, but there is one demographic that uh, I really am still I have no idea about because it's too new. And do you know what that demographic is? Which one is that? Oh yeah, it is time once again. For the sex robot report. Well, how do you market to a sex robot? I do not know.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question.
1: <laughs> Give me some horn. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, this uh, this story is from the Daily O. So here's a question for you, right? <laughs> the uh, Daily if, O. Okay. The Daily O. If you uh, if you uh, like people who are the same sex as you, then you are a homosexual. Uh, if you are someone who likes uh, men or women, you are a bisexual. Uh, if you are someone who uh, uh, will have uh, a relationship with anybody, you're a pansexual. Uh, although a pansexual and a, homo- and a bisexual, I'm not sure what the difference is. Maybe, maybe you have sex with pans. I, that I
0: could that could I think that fits the definition. Yeah. Uh, men, women uh, my and my understanding pants. my understanding is that uh, what happens in the movie The Shape of Water, I think would qualify for pansexual on thinking. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, I would totally have sex with an alien. I would. I totally would. Captain Captain Kirk fits the definition, I think.
1: Um so, uh, so what do you call somebody who has sex with sex robots? A super freak. That's right. No, it's it, <laughs> it is it is. Are you ready? Because this term is going. You, you heard it here for first, folks. This is. <laughs> it, it's
0: it. going to become part of your everyday <laughs> <laughs>
1: lexicon. That's <it's>, it is <laughs> after this moment. Uh, you are a digisexual. If you have sex with oh, sex wow. robots, you are a digisexual. So. I've never... uh, heard that until right now
0: that's a brand new that's a brand new word for me thank you word of the day
1: yeah they feel sexual a digisexual are people who feel sexual attraction towards robots or other tools of a quote digital for digital sexual gratification uh does this
0: exist already or is this a theoretical at this point
1: uh well i mean look man if there if if, it exists it exists it it has to exist rule 47 of the internet if, uh, if it exists, if there is, it. <laughs> then there is a porn about it. Uh, so yeah, there is, uh, this is the new term. Digi- so here's the question. Uh, do pansexuals fall under the digisexual category? Is that, you know, is that something that is, I don't well,
0: know. Well, you know, uh this reminds me do you remember uh, there was a little controversy about this and this is just this is totally off the top of my head uh when when solo a star wars movie came out uh-huh. there was a controversy about lando so um there's a controversy in and he described himself as a pansexual however if you watch the movie he is attracted to the robot and they, they kind of hint at a, a potential relationship between him and the robot so it's you know that's that's true. That's you'll true. have to so you'll have to check on that, but uh, they they were kind of they were kind of clumping that together. So I wasn't hearing this. What was the word again? Digi Digisexual. Sexual. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't hearing that term. I was hearing pansexual when that was when that uh, when that story came out in May of last year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so uh, so I, maybe Lando is just a, maybe he's a pansexual, but maybe he's a digisexual. uh Or maybe <laughs> yeah. Maybe if he. Has sex with the Millennium Falcon? He'd be a chromosexual. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Well, spoiler
0: I, alert, but I mean that robot did merge with the Millennium Falcon, so maybe he would do that.
1: Hmm, that's a good point. I don't have the answer <laughs> to any of these things, man. I'm just a dumb human. Uh, but uh, you know what? I I would. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll find out one of these days.
0: But as would- as AI advances, as AI advances, we will get the answers to these questions and more. And that's what we really want out of life, right?
1: Just more answers, and you know. <laughs> and then, of course, how do we market to these people? That's all I really care yeah, about. Yeah, how do we market? <laughs> we ask the
0: questions. AI gives the answers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One of these days. So, uh, geek news, man. What do you got for us? Geek news.
0: Uh, I guess the uh, interesting story: Netflix is going to revive unsolved mysteries as a Netflix original. So they're bringing back unsolved oh, really? mysteries. I think that's kind of a cool concept. I, I loved the original. I, that guy, I, the guy that hosted it, I kind of forget his name off the top of my head, but he had an amazing voice and it was iconic. I mean, it was truly iconic. Like I'll never, the music, like the way that show was uh, produced and directed, it, it really, um, I still remember it. Yeah.
1: So uh, so I wonder how that's going to be. Is that uh, I, I, I mean, I love shows like that as long as, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I've known people have kind of gone off the deep end, with you know, because that that's that's almost in some it, that's almost like uh, like a gateway drug to Alex Jones. <laughs> so uh, you know, gotta be gotta be careful taking exactly, all the That's assault. true. Um, uh, I, got, I got a couple
0: more here. Um, so the 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 Punisher just released season two on Netflix, and the uh, the Punisher the showrunner yeah. came out today. And we started to release talks about plans for season three uh, with the idea that I I mean, I guess he survives. Uh, Sorry, but they're putting I haven't even seen it. I haven't seen season two. And I'm not that, you know, I'm not that surprised that he would the main character would survive. But uh, they're talking about season three where he returns to the city. So I guess he leaves the city at some point. I don't know. And um, and they're leaking all this. But what's funny is uh, I'm pretty sure that the Punisher is going to be canceled either in the next two weeks or they're going to wait till Jessica Jones season three. And they're going to just cancel the entire Netflix Marvel universe all in one lump sum. So it's it's pretty inevitable that this is happening. Yeah, that's because too bad. Disney is um, taking over pretty much all the properties. They're kind of cutting out Netflix. They're they're cutting their relationship with Netflix. So right now, if you're on Netflix, you're seeing movies like Solo is available on Netflix right now, uh, Avengers: yeah. Infinity Wars on Netflix right now. Any of these uh, Marvel movies, any of these Star Wars movies, they're all going away. So uh, once Disney rolls out that new streaming service at the end of this year. All of those movies will no longer be on Netflix, so it's uh, it's going to be a climate change, and and not the not the one
1: that Al Gore talks yeah. about. Well, well, the real the real question is going to be this, is, or maybe is, both, is, maybe is, both. Yeah. Well, is it possible that that uh, that Netflix will revive any of these shows? Because there has been chatter that that's a possibility where they may revive these shows under their banner uh, and then be able to fold it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe on a much wider scale. One of the things that I was
0: oh, You mean, mean will uh, we'll Disney revive? Yeah, right? yeah.
1: Uh, what, one of the things I was really disappointed in is when Civil War came out, uh, I it would have been awesome to have a whole season of uh, Daredevil where the Civil War uh, experience, like the, the whole storyline in Civil War was reflected on a street level with, uh, and, and having yeah. you know, we're having uh, you know, Iron Man show up in uh you know at some point just as a as a cameo and you know this and this it's really too bad because i feel like uh i never got into agents of shield because of the same thing where i i didn't because it's not part of a broader universe uh and folded the timelines unfolded together uh i just kind of lost interest well what's uh i
0: mean like agents of shield is a great example because on the show, the main character is Agent Coulson, who dies in the Avengers movie, the first one. And again, man, I'm full of spoilers today. I, I'm sorry, but these these are old movies. I mean, that was from 2012. If you haven't seen Avengers by now and you're listening to the show, then I can't help you. I just can't help you. Um, but you know, on the on the Netflix, or on the ABC show Agents of Shield, they revived him, and so most people thought that meant he was alive. But it turns out that the movies were totally different than the TV shows, so they, they um, so it, it really confused and blurred the lines, especially with that when they have like totally different alternate timelines apparently happening through the TV universes and the movie universes. Yeah, and if you watch the Netflix shows, they reference things like the Battle of New York, meaning um, what happens in Avengers One. So they reference these things, but they but they don't cross over. And apparently, there's some sort of uh, not a not a rift but a um a divisional rift between like marvel netflix and marvel studios and yeah i mean they they all they own everything though so that's that's their own doing um so if they really wanted to make it happen they could overlap these franchises so uh, it's disappointing that they didn't they didn't do it that way to begin with
1: and i i think that that part of the dip in popularity had to do with uh with this very thing But uh, you know what is really interesting. So the the uh, finally before we wrap up, uh, the Oscars Oscar nominations came out, and uh, Best Picture, Uh, Black Panther, was nominated. Like, yeah, I think that has no chance of winning whatsoever. But
0: uh, none, none at all. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, yeah, it, it does is not. Pretty, pretty no, low. It can happen. What,
0: what else is, uh, can you name the, the best picture nominees you have? I can. I
1: can, yeah. It? Best picture, so there's Black Panther, uh, Black Klansman, which I really enjoyed. Uh, Bohemian, I haven't seen it yet. I want to yeah, see that one. Bohemian Rhapsody, which. Uh, which, won, uh,
0: which won the Golden Globe for Best Dramatic Picture, which like surprised me. I haven't seen it yet. I've, I've heard mixed things. Yeah. Uh, actually, the people that I've talked to that have seen it loved it. Uh, I, on the internet, though, like on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it's pretty mixed reception on there. So, uh, but most of the people I've talked to loved it. I, I have heard that the they take a lot of liberties with the story on that movie. Yeah, so some of it's not like really fully accurate, but it's probably entertaining nonetheless.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's definitely an entertaining movie. Uh, definitely not going to win Best Picture though. Uh, a movie I had never heard about. Uh, the favorite. Uh, which is a, a favorite?
0: That's uh, that's playing right now. Yeah, Emma Stone. That, it's a, it's it just, a it still
1: qualified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they it qualified a, for this year's Oscars. Okay. It did, it did. Uh, uh, Emma Stone. It's a period piece, but it looks actually very funny. Uh, Green Book, which is uh, also loosely based on, on a true story about a uh, that won
0: that won a lot of awards too over on the Golden Globes.
1: Right, uh, Roma, which is available on Netflix now, and uh, really great movie uh alphonse quran who did uh he did uh, children of men one of my favorite all-time movies uh he did gravity uh he did uh a movie called uh, a little princess which is fantastic if you haven't seen it uh but uh, roma is a very sweet uh movie a star is born and um, hey, you know uh
0: real quick real quick about Roma. Um, so they dq it from the Golden Globes because it's in Spanish and it was subtitled. So they, uh, they DQ'd it from the main category because I guess they have a English-only restriction for the Golden Globes. So that, that's why it wasn't nominated for the Best Picture. But it did win Best Foreign Film in the Golden Globes. Yeah. Um, but, so they, it did get, so on the Oscars, though, they gave it a full nomination. Is that right?
1: Yeah, they did. And it's a, it's a great movie. It really is. Uh, a Star is Born got nominated in a movie that you saw today, Vice. Yeah, I just saw it yeah. today.
0: Christian Bale, incredible. I mean, that guy, I, I, I can't believe he gained like 80 pounds for that movie to play Dick Cheney. And he transforms. That guy is he's an amazing actor, especially because if you see him in real life or you listen to him on
1: an interview, he's got a heavy Australian accent. <laughs> so yeah, well, uh, he, he got nominated for Best Actor, too, uh, along with uh, Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, Willem Dafoe got a nomination for At Eternity's Gate, Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, Viggo Mortensen for Green Book, and then uh, uh, Best Leading Actress, uh, we have a uh, newcomer, I'm going to mess up her name, Yalita Aparicio for Roma. You nailed it. You uh, nailed it. No, I have no nice. idea. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Glenn Close for The Wife, uh, Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, Lady Gaga got a nomination.
0: Oh, she did? And okay, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think, uh, good for her. I think she's going places, that Lady Gaga. I think she's going to be a star. <laughs> and uh, Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me, which I never heard of. So,
0: Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm curious because I heard some good things about her performance, um, but I know nothing about that movie. Now, wait, before we wrap then, here, we have to. We do have to talk about, because we teased it in the beginning, we do have yes. to talk about Ghostbusters 3. So yes. we do have to talk about that. Do uh, you have one last thing about the Oscars before we get into that?
1: One, one last thing. We're, we're running over time, but we're wrapping up here. Uh, best animated feature. This this is important for you and I because we both have kids. Uh, best animated feature. Sherlock Gnomes. 2. Sherlock Gnomes. No, it got shut out, unfortunately. <laughs> um, no nomination. Incred- <laughs> Incredibles 2, which I really enjoyed. Uh, Isle of Dogs. Did you see uh-huh. that? No, I haven't uh, seen that. I know about it, but Great. I seen it. yeah, yeah. Wes Anderson, uh, Mir- Mirri, which I don't know about. Ralph breaks the Internet and Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Okay, <laughs> I haven't that.
0: seen any of these. I, I, I want to see Spider Man because that's playing right now, it's but I, so haven't seen, good. I haven't seen it's any so of good.
1: them. <laughs> but but you know what? My favorite was was Isle of Dogs. Uh, I I loved it. It was so good. So um, anyway, there you go. Uh, finally, to wrap it up, we have.
0: Ghostbusters 3. So apparently Jason Reitman, who is the son of Ivan Reitman, uh, who has directed movies such as... So he's directed movies like Up in the Air. Um, He directed Thank You for Smoking, which is actually a pretty good marketing movie about how the tobacco industry uh, spins, how they do spin. Uh, But he's done some good movies and he's also had a few that aren't so great. But he's taken on the the helm of what's being called a sequel to Ghostbusters. Um, so this is ignoring the female reboot edition, I'm assuming, and they are picking up after Ghostbusters 2. Uh, it sounds like that the plans that I've heard about are that they are going to go with a new cast of teenage Ghostbusters, but then there'll be kind of cameo appearances by the original cast, and they will be appearing in this, um, except for Harold Ramis, who passed away. So, the three remaining characters would make an appearance in this, um, but not be featured as the main characters. And so they released a teaser on this, and it surprised everybody because they didn't announce this at all and nobody knew about it until the teaser got dropped. I'm still a little skeptical myself. I still think it's possible yeah. that this is like leading to a Super Bowl ad or something like they, they did with the Crocodile Dundee fake last year. Uh, but
1: we'll. Well, here's here's the dick move that they did about it though and even Lisa jones came out she said the exact same thing this is a dick move you know what they're calling this movie what are they calling it ghostbusters Three. Oh, oh they're calling okay so they're oh, oh, i mean, i said that yeah they're I mean, completely they're completely ignoring. ignoring the uh female-led ghostbusters well and, uh you can make an argument that
0: the continuity doesn't fit with the female-led ghostbusters because if you've seen it they have the original cast playing totally different characters.
1: So they're, yeah, there but even, still, but technically, even still, technically, technically, yeah. it took place in the same universe. Technically, it was Ghostbusters Three. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could So add, that means if yeah. the, the original characters could be
0: playing multiple roles, that's all. So, so the question is, if
1: they come out with a new Ghostbusters uh, with a female cast, which will never happen, but if they did, would that be Ghostbusters Two? I would say
0: yes. I mean, if you look at like what happened with Spider-Man, that's what's going to happen. That's what it'll be. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't need to make sense.
1: We're in a, we're in a new world. It's 2019, Andros. It's 2019. And, and <laughs> it is 2019. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we close out the show with another fine edition of Marketing Geeks. Man, I you know what? Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you've listened this far... Yeah. I so appreciate each and every one of you. I am so grateful I get to do this. Thank you, everybody.
0: And whether you're Uh, listening to one hour or 11 consecutive hours like some of our fans out there, uh, we love you. We appreciate you. If you could do us a solid and leave us a review, especially on iTunes, we would love you for it. If you could write out a written review, that'd be the best case scenario. Uh, But this is always our pleasure. Always a blast love being on Marketing Geeks.
1: Yeah, share it with 500 of your closest friends, ladies and gentlemen. The Marketing Geeks program. Next week, we will have another fine show for you. We're already researching it. We're ready to go. We're gonna make it smashing. Your 2019 is going to be amazing because of us.
0: Because of us, that's right. So get ready. (laughs) Get set and here we go with